Hello and welcome to this week's Therapy For Me. And I'm going to do one of those slightly different um, kind of episodes tonight. And in that respect, I'm going to concentrate on one thing. Um, it might be quite a short episode because I don't know how long I can bang on about this one thing. And I'll split it up into sections, but I'm not going to link them to days. Um, because I want to examine... Well, look... It's the day after the local elections, and you know what I'm like for an election. Um, I I do love the whole thing around it, and obviously it's remarkably important that you vote and all those kind of things. So I'm going to try and look at uh, a bit of the initial fallout to the election and the day, and the story is kind of tied within the day. So it's not all election, but it's kind of politics from today, really, and it, a few other things might work the way in in terms of where I see this fitting in 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 kind of what happens next. So it's a it's a it's about the election but it's about the fallout and it's about the next bits and you'll get the gist as we go along but I couldn't I couldn't pass it up could I really? I mean look, I'm not going to pass up the fact to talk about this kind of stuff on on what is the results day. Um and the only thing I would say is um because a local election is different to a general in terms of the vast majority of the results come in the following day because they don't they don't take the expense of counting through the night uh particularly because it's not relevant in the same way a general election is so um I didn't stay up to see what was going to happen because in reality what I woke up to and what we have now with virtually all of the UK seats having been uh, talked about is quite a different picture. So um, so the only thing missing from it being the perfect election day is that kind of thing where you sit down at 10 o'clock and you see how long you can go before you fall asleep, which I didn't do um, last night. Um, I actually fell asleep watching Drop the Dead Donkey last night, um, which I didn't realise was on all four, but I found it yesterday and quite magnificent it, it, it was too. Anyway, that's an aside. We'll have, we'll have a bit of twangy guitar uh, and then we'll kick in with the first bit of Election Day. Okay, so let's set the scene. It's local Election Day. Now, in the area where we are, in Kirklees, because of the size of the council, we have a local election uh, every year. Um, and not every one of the council seats is necessarily up for grabs every time round. So it's a rolling kind of basis of who you're electing on a, um, on a yearly basis. Um, some places don't have that. Some places only have local elections certain points in time, as far as I'm aware. I might be wrong on that, but as far as I'm aware, but we're in one of those spots that has local elections uh, every year. Though I might be, I might be wrong on that, but we'll probably something to to find out about and clarify later on. Um, and so there are a number of council seats up for grabs. Obviously, the thing with local elections and why this local election it was seen by many was uh, so important was it's the first chance anybody's had to go to the polls since uh, a lot of events have happened. So we've had the Owen Patterson affair, we've had the, the, the Partygate affair, uh, we've had the fixed uh, penalty notices, um, we've had various bits of court intervention in terms of things like last week about the um, about the care home. So we've had lots of things going on and it's been the first time anybody's had a chance to really pass comment on those those things. So really quite important. And I think you have to look before we start at what was considered to be good or bad 
days. So um, 2018 was the last time we had a night or an election day that contested the seats that were being contested today. Um, so that's an important thing to recognise, and I'll come back to that in a minute. And um, and consequently, we've had a general election since then. So 2018 is the reference point in one respect, but then the 2019 election is another reference point um, because obviously that's the last time we had a general election. And as I said before, a lot of people will have been looking at today as being um, something that was um, a, a, a good a good kind of barometer of, of, of where the government's at and in particular where the leadership of, um, as John Crace in The Guardian puts it, the convict uh, is at. And actually, I quite like the fact that he just refers to him as the convict, which is quite, quite, um, it, it's amusing. It's amusing. Um, so anyway, that's the basis where we start. And the other thing is what would be considered to be a good or a bad night. Um, and there was a, a great little thing in the Sunday Times a couple of weeks ago which talked about what would be considered to be good or bad nights. Um, for the Tories, losses of 50 to 100 seats would be um, a bit of a warning sign, but it wouldn't be the end of the world. Anything over 350 pretty much was disastrous and would talk to the fact that it was kind of going wrong on multiple fronts. And from a Labour perspective, um, gains of 50 to 100 uh, looking good, gains a lot higher than that, a really great night. But also you had the thing about certain specific seats that would come into play. So that's the backdrop. Let's move on to the next bit. Okay, let's start with the numbers. Um, and this is kind of in the moment, so it's five past eight uh, on Friday night. Let's start with the numbers and where we are in England. And I'm going to focus on England predominantly. Let's start with where we are in England as of now. So we've got 146 councils that needed to uh, deliver results, and 144 of those 146 have delivered. Okay. So here's here's the picture as it stands at the moment. Let's start with a biggie. The Conservatives have lost 341, 341 councillors so far with two councillors left to declare. Um, and they have lost uh, control of 10 councils. Um, the Labour Party has increased their council number by 54 and they've increased the number of councils they have control of, including mine, by five. The Liberal Democrats have had a fantastic night, or had a fantastic night. They've gained 191 councillors, and they've taken control of three councils. Uh, Independents have added 28 councillors to their mix. Uh, the Greens have added 58 councillors to their mix, which is virtually doubled. In fact, I think it's just, oh, just over doubled their, their number of uh, councillors uh, in a single night. Um, and then you've got the smaller groups like the Residents Association have gained 10, Reform UK have gained 2, UK Independence Party, UKIP have, de have lost 3, and uh, post-election vacancy uh, is, is flat on zero. Uh, and in terms of no overall control, um, two councils have moved into no overall control uh, this time round. That's a, that's a growth of two. 28 councils in the country overall have no overall control. Um, and actual council numbers, or the ones that we were looking at, 65 Labour, 35 Conservatives, uh, 16 uh, Lib Dems. So that's the kind of... They're, they're the, 
for want of using that horrible phrase, they're the scores on the door. So what do we take take from that straight away? Well, it's very close to the 350 number that the Sunday Times were predicting would be a fairly disastrous night um, for uh, the Conservatives. Um, it's a, in that threshold of what would be considered a good night for Labour, uh, and it's an exceptional night for the Greens and the Lib Dems. So one thing that points towards straight away is if this was a general election, we would have uh, an, uh, a situation where no party would have a majority. Um, based on the way that the, the votes have been split, um, it's being estimated that Labour would have 35% of the uh, of the seats, Conservatives would have 30%, and then the other parties would divide the rest amongst themselves, and Labour would be short of an overall majority by about 10 seats, give or take. But what it would absolutely point towards would be uh, a Lib Lab uh, coalition. So it would point towards um, Keir Starmer being in 10 Downing Street uh, and it would be a simple coalition with uh, the Libs. It wouldn't need to be a wider coalition that included the Greens. It would be a simple coalition uh, with the Libs um, and, 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 and the numbers would be would be well in the favour uh, you know, at that point. So as an overall kind of basic number plot, that's kind of how we start off. And just to reinforce that first picture, going back to what the Sunday Times has said, that's a that's a bad night for the Conservatives. And it's a pretty much a, a relatively damning statement on on Johnson. Um so whether that's whether that's Partygate, whatever that is, the the shine somehow has come off if you look at that set of results. <laughs> Okay, so let's have a little bit of a dive into the Labour thing because most people tonight seem to be talking about the Labour thing when they probably ought to be talking about... Well, I think you should be talking about the Conservative thing because it's a disaster and you should be talking about the Lib Deb thing because I think that's really, really interesting because that's where most of the Tory votes are going and I think that bodes bodes badly, particularly for those MPs in the South and I think that's the that's the... The you know the 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 sort of spine of the party that's going to be really really worried about that. So, but that's not really being what's being discussed. What's being discussed is Labour haven't done very well with an open goal. Labour haven't done very well, and on the surface of it, you can spin it that way round. And and to be fair, that's not only being spun by the Conservative side of the argument. It's actually being spun by the hard done to, very noisy Labour left that's loyal to the Corbyn project. Because if you go on Twitter today, all you're finding is people on the left saying Starmer's not got it, Labour's not got it, they've not done as well as they should have done, they've not done any better than Corbyn did, and uh, and it was an open goal. Now, this is where you have to look at the analysis a little bit differently, okay? Because the point we're working from is 2018 in some respects, but it's also 2019. So... Corbyn gets a decent set, a very good set of results in the 2018 local elections. Okay, and that's that you, you can't take that away. They were a good set of results. Those results have been improved on. Okay, those are the results have been improved on by Starmer tonight, by the 50 odd number of councillors he's got, and by the gains in, in, in the councils he's picked up, including some very big ones in London. You know, I mean, seats that haven't been Labour for a long, long time. You know, Wandsworth being a particular jewel because that was Margaret Thatcher's favourite, uh, one of the London boroughs. So 
there's some big things swing to uh, big councils that have swung towards Labour uh, today, which is which is significant, and you have to look at the significance of those as marquee seats. But to go back to the other argument, they're only 50-odd better than they were under Corbyn in 2018. The bit you have to look at is, and what is being forgotten here is, 2019's being forgotten because 2018 was the high point and then, in terms of the Corbyn project, it dropped off. The country did not want to invest in the Corbyn project anymore and when push came to shove at the 2019 election, he was he was shown the door quite comprehensively. So it's to a certain extent, what you're talking about is measuring from the high point if you take 2018 versus measuring from where the party got to in 2019. And what a lot of people are saying is, well, he doesn't look like he's winning the Red Wall back. In 2018, if you look at the light for light comparison, he hadn't lost the Red Wall. So the point is the vote share in those Red Wall seats has absolutely gone up when you look at what happened in the general election. Now, I still think it's fair to say it's a fair argument of would, you know, because because on these numbers, it wouldn't be a Labour victory. It wouldn't be a Labour, um, you know, a, a majority. A, that's a huge turnaround to take an 80 seat. Uh, deficit and turn it into a majority in a single sweep. Most people were talking when Johnson came into power that Johnson would enjoy two, if not three terms based on that 80-seat majority. It would take another two elections to overturn it. And what we're looking at now is the fact that that 80-seat majority has actually not been secure for any more than two and a half years. So that's a big, big deal. But also, remember who lost the Red Wall. It was the Corbyn project that ultimately lost the Red Wall. I absolutely accept the fact that it had been waning for a while, but it was the Corbyn project that was ultimately the nail in that particular coffin. Um, This doesn't say that Labour aren't going to win it back. This is saying that as it stands at the moment, some of the Red Wall isn't yet ready to turn around and admit they made a mistake when they voted Conservative. So I think you just need that little bit of context when you're looking at at these numbers and don't necessarily buy the spin that it's only 54 up from or 50 odd up from uh, where we were last time it isn't it's 54 from the 2018 high point but it's a hell of a hell of a shift from actually where Corbyn left the Labour Party in the 2019 election Okay, so let's talk about what might happen next. What does this point towards? And I think there's one huge positive that this points towards, and that is that this potentially points towards a hung parliament and a coalition government next time round. And why do I think that's really important and really positive? Uh, Well, one... I like the fact that there are different things playing out in different areas. I like the strength that the Lib Dems have got in certain parts of the country. And I think it's very positive for those of us who want the current government to be, you know, to be taken out of power, that actually there's a possibility with some form of informal pact or just even just a little bit of focusing on the seats that are winnable and not actually you know, Labour and and the Libs going after each other, I think there's a huge possibility that we could end up with kicking um, the Conservative government out of the next election. And for me, that would be absolutely, you know, absolutely fantastic. Um, And so that in of itself is is hugely, hugely positive. This whole concept of a pincer movement uh, is is great. And I think the thing that maybe we worried about um, in the in the past of of not actually under the current system being able to get rid of the conservatives, actually it could well start to work the other way. Whatever happens, 
at some point, the progressive parties have got to beat the Tories under the current system. That just has to happen. And and it's very clear if you look at what's happened today. And I know it doesn't necessarily work this way. I know the Liberals will have had a really, really good night tonight and they tend to do well in interim elections. So I know this isn't by no no means nailed on, but it points towards a really good positive outcome further down the line. So I think I think that's really important. And why is that really important? Because if we're going to change the voting system, and it's the voting system that gives us people like Johnson, it's first past the post that gives us these anomalies, gives somebody the opportunity to take control of a major party and to end up with this situation. So if we're going to get rid of first past the post, we need to win under the current system. And then we need to look at how broken the system is and start saying if we want to if we want a more representative form of democracy, then we need to actually get rid of first past the post. And we've talked about this before. I mean, you've got a limited number of of of, of democracy in the world that don't have a written constitution. We're one of only a few and the others are ridiculous in terms of what the countries are and then also you've got very few countries in the world that have a first past the post system no 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 mature democracy like ours has first past the post anywhere in the world um and so we need to get out of our first past the post system it's not it's not something to be proud of it's not something we should look on with kind of a, a, a tear in our eyes you know in some form of soft focus it's it's an anachronism and it has to it has to go and this to me this kind of result this what this potentially could be could point towards is great because we could potentially get to a situation where that is is long gone. So, last thing, because it's the thing that's happened today um, on the back of this and it's all melds together. The Durham police are going to investigate Keir Starmer for the event uh, where the Labour Party leader drank a beer and which was always been said as a work event and they stopped for lunch and they had a beer. Now, I'm not going to get involved in the semantics of one versus the other. I don't think it's right to do that. I can't hold a position where I say that Boris Johnson is guilty of something and at the same time say, but it's okay for Keir Starmer because that's not the case. Now, what I don't know is what the rules were on the particular days. And this is relevant because there's a lot of talk about the fact that Johnson won't get a fine for the event he attended in the in the garden because at the point in time when he event, uh, attended that event, it was allowed to have gatherings in your garden. So therefore, he could have got out of that one simply because it kind of loosely fell within the guidance that was being being said. Now, I don't know where we were on the date of the event with Keir Starmer and where we were in terms of guidance, in terms of things you know, like having a, a, a meal and what have you with colleagues in the work environment. So I'm not going to go there. Um, I'd be surprised if Starmer's been been so stupid to not understand the rules, particularly when he has a forensic, you know, side to his his personality and psyche. But I'm not going to make an excuse one way or the other. If he's fined, it's exactly the same as Johnson was, and he's in exactly the same situation. Difference being, if he is fined, I think he would probably resign. I don't think a man who asked Rishi Sunak to resign and asked the Prime Minister to resign would, if faced with a fixed penalty notice, not do exactly that thing and resign. So, why is that really important? Well, 
it applies huge pressure. If he did resign, if he was found found to have been in breach and he's issued a fixed penalty notice and he resigned, that's a ridiculous amount of pressure then on Johnson. Ridiculous amount of pressure on Johnson um, to 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 be standing there and saying everything's fine and we're getting on with the job. It's also a ridiculous amount of pressure on Sunak as well. But I think the point is, to a certain extent, Starmer's finished the first part of the project. He's reclaimed the party from where it was. He's done a great job of ensuring that the institutions and the structures of the party are still in place and the party has a chance to be a decent, you know, left of centre offering for the um for the for the constituency uh, globally, for the electorate globally. And if we ended up with a different person stood in front uh, uh at the front bench, uh particularly somebody that might actually in, you know engage with the electorate have a little bit more charisma uh, because I'm the first person to say that he's not the most charismatic then maybe that also would be a bonus for Labour Labour does not pin in the Tories have, have got no alternative but Johnson to a certain extent and, and it's a long road to because of how far they've gone with the Johnson project and the populist project it's a long road back if you don't have that that figurehead populist so if you don't have johnson it's a long way back for the tories because they've got to redefine themselves far more closely to how they used to be um if they don't have if they don't have that personal that that cult of personality it isn't quite the same for labor 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 don't have the cult of personality thing going on to, so you could argue they did have but they don't so actually what the the the, the country is now looking at labor as a sensible decent trustworthy um, group of politicians who they would they would trust to run the country. If that's a different f- person in, in front, but the message still resonates, there's an argument to say it might make Labour slightly more electable, and we might actually end up with that single jump of a majority Labour government in one bound. Again, that's a big leap. That's a big leap. But the point is, the Tories have been after Starmer, and you've only got to look at the attack line the Mail's been using. They've been after Starmer about this party now for well over a week. The Mail that's not passing comments on anything else was passing comment on that. Getting that as to what they want might not be, as it turns out, um, the best outcome. Because, there, as I say, there'd be enormous pressure on Johnson if Starmer resigned. Enormous pressure to do the right and decent thing. Um and also, because I think for Labour, you put a different person in place and you don't make the mistake of going for somebody like Corbyn. You put somebody in place who is who is electable and who is right in, in, in front of a party that's turned a corner. And I think there's a good chance that we could be looking at a Labour government in two years' time. And I'm done. And it's like it's last, lasted longer than I thought it would. But I've really enjoyed that. It's been really nice to kind of just go meh all about the election. I don't know if any of that's going to come true. I don't know how much of that is accurate. I don't know how much of that is 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 utter nonsense. And it's a first take and a first spin on what's gone on what's gone on today. But it's really quite nice to do something a bit different and have a politics uh, a politics type kind of you know a full on kind of almost little mini documentary, not documentary, you know what I mean, mini analytical thing. Um, let me know if you enjoyed it. Uh, I probably won't be doing it again in a hurry, so, uh, though it's, it's some idea of what you might get in two years' time. Um, but let me know Let me know what you think. Um, in the meantime, have a great weekend. I hope you're all well, uh, and I'll speak to you 
very, very soon. If you've enjoyed Therapy For Me, then please subscribe and share as you see fit. This has been an A Short Stories production.